Fired Up show starts right now. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Fired Up podcast right here on WJMS Media. This is Steve. I host the show each week, and I bring you information on how the government of the United States uh, impacts us, the everyday voters, the electorate here in this country. Uh, We've got an interesting show, uh, as always, uh, lined up for you. But first, uh, we do our routine of checking in with the COVID pandemic here in this country. And right now we are at 103.8 million reported cases of COVID-19 and its variants. Uh, We have had 1.122 million people uh, who have died from the disease. And we are over 673 million people who have been vaccinated, either one dose or two doses uh, against the COVID uh, pandemic. So the lesson that we must continue to learn and implement is that we need to take primary responsibility to protect ourselves, our families, our loved ones in our communities uh, by doing all of the things that uh, by now in, in more than three years of the COVID pandemic, we've come to understand is the standard approach for keeping oneself safe. That is masking when necessary, uh, social distancing as appropriate, and basically just watching out for opportunities to come in contact with the COVID uh, virus. So, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep that effort up. Uh, We continue to move forward uh, as evidenced by the fact that the uh, growth rates uh, or the progress rates uh, of the disease uh, have slowed. Uh, the death rate uh, is, is leveling out somewhat, uh, and the vaccination rate continues to go up, although uh, by small amounts and not nearly enough uh, effort in that area. So with that being said, uh, let's move into the topics for this week's show. Uh, as you're aware, if you've followed uh, the Fired Up podcast uh, over the past three years plus now that, that we've been doing this show, you will, of course, recognize that this is not a show about political people per se, uh, unless there is a uh, central reason for a political individual to be uh, at the center point of the topic. Rather, it's a show about how the political system uh, impacts, affects, and in in some cases, and too often damages us as the people of the United States, the voters, the electorate. Uh, And we're going to look at a couple of things in in today's show uh, that get into exactly that realm. Uh, If you recall, uh, a couple of podcasts ago, maybe maybe three um, podcasts ago, I brought forward a story about how the uh, uh, in, in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi, there was a move uh, to replace uh, the existing elected uh, leadership in that city with an appointed uh, leadership, uh, all white in, in uh, that city. And the, the, the problematic nature of that is uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and the surrounding areas are, are something to the tune of about 80% uh, black or people of color. And this move by the state would uh, severely restrict, if not eliminate, uh, 
any participation by representatives of those groups uh, in the city council. Uh, the police force would be an expansion of the uh, state-run Capitol Police. Uh, in, in other words, it would be a political land grab by the, uh, the state of Mississippi for that area. Well, we, now we have learned or are learning um, that over in Texas, a uh, news article that came out from News One and the Associated Press uh, talks about uh, Texas white Republicans announce plans to take over Houston's predominantly black school district. Uh, and the article written by Bilal G. Morris of News One uh, starts out with, in an obvious power move, Texas Republicans announced on Wednesday their plans to take over Houston Independent School District, the largest school district in Texas, which is also majority black or Hispanic. The state takeover of Houston's public school districts would be one of the largest school takeovers in U.S. history. Uh, so in, in a letter, uh, and this is proposed by um, Mike Morath, who is uh, Republican Governor Greg Abbott's education commissioner uh, and you know, is seeking to increase Republican authority. In the letter to the Houston Independent School District, Morath said the Texas Education Agency will replace Superintendent Millard House II and the district's elected board of trustees with a new superintendent and an appointed board of managers made up of residents from within the district's boundaries. So here we are are eliminating the officials that were put there by the choice of the people and putting in a hand-picked uh, board of trustees uh, and according to the article made up of uh, residents from within the district's boundaries. Now it remains to be seen if this new uh, appointed board of managers will reflect the, the demographic makeup of the territory they are governing, i.e., will it be an 80% minority board? Um, I wouldn't bet my ranch on that. Uh, Morath said the board has failed to improve student outcomes while conducting chaotic board meetings marred by infighting and violating uh, Open Meeting Act and procurement laws. So, you know, he's saying because the, the meetings are, are kind of rough and tumble and that there's a seven-year record of poor academic performance uh, at one of the district's roughly 50 high schools uh, and as well as the poor performance of several other campuses. Uh, according to him, quote, the governing body of a school system bears ultimate responsibility for the outcomes of all students. While the current Board of Trustees has made progress, systemic problems in Houston ISD continues to impact district students. So the, the idea here, um, you know, and, and this state takeover of Houston public schools is the latest example of predominantly white Republicans pushing to take control of minority and Democratic-led cities. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, in Mississippi, Republican-controlled House recently passed House Bill 1020, which would not only expand areas of Jackson patrolled by a state-run Capitol Police force, 
but also created a new court system with judges that are appointed rather than elected by voters. All appointments would be handled by white state officials. So, you know, here, here we have the, the battle lines are starting to be drawn. Um, the, the Republican majorities in these states are exercising their majority to overrule the voice of the people through the election process and appoint, you know, uh, employees and officials that, you know, they select uh, perhaps uh, because they believe uh, along the same guidelines as the Republican state leadership. So, you know, we, as I've said, we saw this happen in the state of Mississippi. Uh, now we're seeing uh, similar uh, advances happening in the state of Texas. And uh, I would, would almost guarantee that we will see similar actions in other uh, red states uh, throughout the, the south and southwest of the country, uh, as well as in you know, local jurisdictions uh, within even blue states where you know, Republicans are in control of you know, a city, uh, locality, or county uh, governing system. So you know, this is what we have been talking about here on this show as to the effects of the extensive amount of gerrymandering that has occurred in this country uh, through the Republicans' uh, uh, Southern Strategy Program, which started back in the uh, 1970s and actually dates back into the 60s, uh, where the idea was uh, Republicans sought to gain as much local political control as possible, realizing that the, the federal process may swing back and forth between Republican and Democratic administrations. But if the local uh, political landscape remains Republican, then ultimately the, the gains will be felt on the Republican side of the ledger. So you know, here is, here's another example of that uh, taking shape. And you know, I, I am not even in the least doubtful that we will see this occur uh, in other states and other areas around the country uh, in the weeks, months, and, and years to come. And the thing that I find most interesting about these proposals and laws coming out of the red states is the uh, fact that it, it appears that Republican voters, particularly Republican voters who are not uh, of a minority group or a you know immigrant group or whatever, but essentially uh, white uh, Republican voters uh, apparently are voting against their vote their own best interests because many of these laws that are being put out here to uh, impact people of color and set restrictions uh, up to and including uh, laws and rules that are uh, aimed at disenfranchising voters and uh, creating, you know, less opportunities for certain groups of people, uh, they seem to be voting as if these laws are not going to impact them as well as people of color in this country. And nothing could really be further from the truth 
many of these laws, whether it's restrictions on you know access to Medicare, uh, Medicare expansion, uh, health care, you know, as I said, voting and, and others are going to impact everyone in the districts across the board. Uh, so it, it uh, is strange to me why that the, the voting public at large and across all demographics uh, aren't taking a more unified opposition to some of these more draconian policies coming out of the uh, the conservative right wing slash Republican slash MAGA movement here in this country. Uh, it, it just seems to be, as I said, voting against your own best interest. Um, as we'll see in, in uh, the next story we're going to talk about, uh, the Republican Party has been on a um, crusade, for lack of a better term, uh, against many policies that you know affect uh, everyone within districts not just you know people of color and other uh, targeted uh, minority groups uh, so you know it it amazes me how that the uh, broader constituency of these elected officials whether it's at the state level or at the federal level uh, allow uh, their elected leaders to basically ignore them. Uh, as we've said on this show many times, many of the uh, efforts of the uh, Republican Party over the last uh, you know, 20 or more years um, have been votes taken in contrast to wildly popular uh, topics or, or uh, considerations of the electorate. Uh, the you know, overturning of Roe v. Wade, seventy uh, percent of the people across the board in this country want to see some type of uh, abortion access available. Now, you know, there can be limits and restrictions and so forth, but an outright ban is not something that is uh, wildly supported by the the overwhelming majority of people in this country. Uh, same thing with. Uh, disenfranchisement and, and uh, voter restrictions. Uh, many of the uh, plans that have been put in place uh, essentially to impact people of color actually impact, uh, you know, across the board. If they, as in, has occurred in Texas, where they have, you know, eliminated the number of polling places uh, in a county from, you know, many, you know, from, you know, five or ten down to a small handful, uh, these are not just impacting, you know, people of color, immigrants, and so forth. They are impacting everybody. And yet the Republican voters seem to bypass the concerns for their own access in order to support the, the uh, rhetoric and opinions of their elected officials. So, you know, it, it just is something that you have to look at and question is why do uh, people broadly vote against their own best interest with many of these, uh, these topics? And when you look at, you know, elected officials, particularly Republican elected officials uh, at the state level, uh, as well as at the, the federal level, you have to ask yourself, you know, 
do they all believe the same way? Are they, are, is the Republican Party writ large that monolithic that every one of them is walking in lockstep with some of these more radical ideas that are being you know, put forward and, and, and legislated uh, in these, these elected bodies? Um, you know, for, for example, uh, I'm going to play a clip for you uh, that comes out of uh, Kentucky, and it is uh, a woman by the, by the name of Colonel Pam Stevenson. Uh, she is an African-American woman who is a current candidate for the state attorney general in Kentucky, and she took to the floor of the Kentucky legislature uh, to uh, argue against uh, a bill that is being proposed uh, on how the uh, Kentucky uh, Education Board is going to uh, address the issues of uh, LGBTQ students and you know, gender-affirming surgeries and, and treatments uh, for trans kids in the Kentucky school system. And uh, the legislation is not just uh, addressing actions in the, the classrooms and in the schools, but uh, appears to be pushing forward some guidelines for parents uh, in, in how uh, they should address these, these issues with their children. So here now is uh, Colonel Pam Stevenson. Uh, this is about a three-minute clip. And I, I encourage you to, to stick with it through the entire clip, and we'll pick up the conversation on the other side. Our government was designed to be for the people, by the people, to serve the people. And every day we come in here and under, in God we trust, we say a pledge and a prayer. And this bill is neither godly nor is it the government. We think we know what other people should be doing with their kids, and not one person in this room will allow anybody to come into your house and say what to do with your kid. And if you will do that, raise your hand so we can, I've got a whole bunch of stuff you can do. It is a, an abomination that the Bible is used consistently on this floor. People are crying tears about God. And then when we tell you what the Bible says, love your neighbor, do for others, follow the golden rules, thou shalt do this, you don't do it. As far as I can tell, when I read the Bible, he said, go out and love people the way I've loved you. And I'll take care of the result. He says, take care of the least of these. Help the people that need them. Help the widows. Love people. There, the word love is mentioned over 500 times. The greatest of these is love. But y'all got opinions about everything, which is not why we're here, to be for the people, by the people, to serve the people. Now, I would feel a little differently if you had evidence that you let the government come in your house and tell you what to do, if you let your neighbors come in the house and tell you what to do, but nobody on this floor lets anybody tell you what to do, let alone the Dems. How dare you use my God for things against his people? I promise you, all the preachers in here talking about God's love, he, he sort of wants you to show it and not talk about it. 
He didn't say love everybody except the people you don't like, except trans people, except children, people of color, except the disabled. He didn't say that. He said love everybody. And then we spend a whole bunch of time trying to destroy everybody. And if it wasn't destruction, why'd you do it in the heat of the night? Why can't the people of Kentucky who put us here have the right to vote and know what's in this addendum? Why are you hiding? What are you hiding? Stop doing the thing that they sent us here to do, which is to represent them and not your own personal peeves. If you don't want to have an abortion, don't have one. If you don't want to be bothered with trans kids, don't. But how dare you? Tell other people, other parents that bear the responsibility for their children what they must do according to your wishes and not God's wishes. Some very powerful words there from Colonel Pam Stevenson, who is uh, not only a member of the Kentucky uh, State Legislature, but she is also a minister. Um, I think her points are well taken in that, you know, on, on the one hand, and, and we, we see this constantly from the, the people on the, uh, on the right, and particularly those in the uh, so-called ultra-MAGA or MAGA wing of the Republican Party, i.e. those that are most conservative, uh, how they will uh, shroud their beliefs uh, in the air quotes here, word of God, close quotes, uh, and, and preach to what they believe is, is contained uh, in the Bible uh, and what uh, Jesus has taught us, and yet they act in the exact opposite fashion of that. So, you know, essentially it, it is an operation governed by... Uh, do what I say, not as I do. Um, and that, that's where we seem to be uh, in, in you know, today's political climate. Uh, the, the words um, are beautiful. The, the words are thought-provoking. Uh, the words are spiritual. But the actions uh, don't match the words. Uh, this is what we have seen, uh, particularly coming from as I say, the, the, the right and the conservative right, uh, and you know, not just the political uh, entities out there, but the, the social and educational and, and other entities out there who wrap themselves in the flag and the cloth of uh, re religion uh, while they tell us what we should be doing. Meanwhile, you know, we see the news reports of these same individuals uh, just you know, violating so many of the commandments, um, and you know, there, there's no consequence for it. Uh, it, is, it is as if you know, their constituents see this, uh, pass right by it, shrug their shoulders, and say, it's okay, uh, yeah, this is not great. But, you know, I don't want the Dems or I don't want the Libs. Um, and th this is this is where our political system seems to have landed. Uh, and, you know, it is something that 
if if we are not happy with it, then we are are called to duty by the Constitution. Uh, we are called to duty by our 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 own moral compasses to change it, to change the behaviors of the individuals we send to represent us in government to reflect our wishes, to reflect what the people want to do. As Colonel Stevens said, sent here by the people, you know, and yet we act on or, or they act on whatever their own individual, um, you know, beliefs or you know, pet peeves are or, or whatever, and essentially uh, force their wills uh, on their constituents. And that's not the way it is supposed to work. So, you know, again, very powerful words. Uh, I think it, it is worth a thought uh, on what our elected officials are telling us and what they are doing. And I think oftentimes what we've seen over not just recent history, but history going back, you know, again, 10, 20, 25, 30 years uh, that, you know, they are telling us uh, these these lofty and good words. And yet they are doing the exact opposite. So, you know, uh, something to to keep in mind and to, as we say here, Make sure that, you know, you are um, not just listening to, you know, individual sources, but listening to sources from across the spectrum uh, on both sides. And, you know, keep an open mind, you know, listen with that third ear, look with that third eye, question, you know, that, that's what this show uh, aims to promote, that, that critical thinking, that questioning mind that says, wait a minute, you're telling me this, uh, is this the full story? What other, what other uh, stories are we hearing on this subject and where are they coming from? Uh, this, is, this is an important part of being a citizen of this country is to be an educated and well-informed citizen of this country. That is the way that, that we will move our country forward collectively so just some food for thought there uh, we're going to continue uh, right now uh, we'll take our first break here a little bit early because I want to spend the second half uh, talking about some more of this type of thing but also uh, I've got an article that I want to discuss in a little bit of detail so we're going to take our break here you're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMS Media. This is Steve, and we'll be right back after this break. Young John Lewis, you're so full of passion. In your lifetime, you will be arrested 45 times in your mission to help redeem the soul of America. In 1956, when you were only 16 years old, you and some of your brothers and sisters and first cousins went down to the public library, trying to get library cards, trying to check out some books. And you were told by the librarian that the libraries were whites only, 
not for colors. I said to you now, when you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have a moral obligation to continue to speak up, to speak out. You became so inspired by Dr. King and Rosa Parks that you got involved in the civil rights movement. Something touched you and suggested that you write a letter to Dr. King. You didn't tell your teachers, you didn't tell your mother and your father. Dr. King wrote you back and invited you to come to Montgomery. In the meantime, you have been admitted to a little school in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was there that you got involved in the sit-ins. You would be sitting there in an orderly, peaceful, nonviolent fashion, and someone would come up and spit on you. Put a light cigarette down your back, pour hot water, hot coffee, hot chocolate on you. You got arrested the first time, and you felt so free. You felt liberated. You felt like you had crossed over. Free at last! Free at last! Thank God Almighty! You probably would never believe it, but the boy from Troy, as Dr. King used to call you, will become the embodiment of nonviolence in America. We must say, wake up, America, wake up, for we cannot stop, and we will not and cannot be patient. Two years after you speak at the march on Washington, you will see the face of death leading the march for voting across the Pettus Bridge in Selma. We're marching today from Selma to Montgomery. We're marching to our state capital to dramatize to our nation and to the world our determination to win first prize citizenship. Troopers here advance toward the group. you would make it. You would live to see your mother and father cast their first votes. The change we need doesn't come from Washington. Change comes to Washington. You also live to see this segregated nation you live in. Still an African-American president and his family to the White House. And guess what? Guess what? Young John, that some divine providence, as it is to send a message down through the ages, that man will be nominated on the 45th anniversary of the March on Washington. And all of those signs that you saw as a little child that said, white men, colored men, white women, colored women, those signs are gone. And the only places you will see those signs today will be in a book. 
in a museum on video. John, thank you for going to the library with your brothers, your sisters, and cousins. You were denied a library card. You were sad. But one day, you've been elected to the Congress. You wrote a book called Walking with the Wind. And the same library invited you to come back for a book signing where blacks and white citizens showed up. And after the book signing, they gave you a library card. And believe as Dr. King and A. Philip Randolph and others taught you that we're one people. And it doesn't matter whether we're black or white, Latino, Asian American, or Native American. That maybe our foremothers and our forefathers all came here in different ships. But we're all in the same boat now. John, you understood the words of Dr. King when he said we must learn to live together as brothers and sisters. If not, we would perish as fools. Rest in peace, Representative John Lewis. And thank you. And God bless you. And we're back. Welcome back to the Fired Up Podcast right here on WJMS Media. Uh, thanks, as always, to the late Congressman John Lewis for those very wise words. Uh, I frequently come back to this uh, clip on the show because I think his message is one that uh, fits and resonates so very well given the climate of our political system uh, here in this country today. Uh, we should all aspire to uh, try and get into the, quote, good trouble, close quote, that uh, Representative Lewis was so, so well known for. All right, picking up where we left off, um, we travel back to the great state of Florida uh, because uh, there is a bill in the House, uh, and it is House Bill 999, uh, that uh, is raising some concerns among uh, the minority communities, in particular uh, the black and Hispanic communities, uh, because uh, this bill, if it's more broadly interpreted, uh, could have an impact uh, beyond just the public school systems and could impact uh, several aspects of college life in the state of Florida, but uh, let, let's take a half step back and um, take a look at what these, uh, this bill would uh, propose to do. Uh, again, this is House Bill 999, and uh, in articles that I found from uh, Snopes.com and from Level.com, both via uh, MSN, uh, discuss you know what what exactly this bill uh, looks to do uh, and basically uh, and and you know 
without going too deep into the weeds on this, the bill increases the, th the authority of the Florida Board of Governors, uh, the governing body of Florida's state university system, to regulate state-funded higher education by terminating the tenure of professors and imposing limits on programs related to, quote, critical race theory, close quote, and DEI programs. The Florida State House has passed the bill, and as of uh, late last week, it was awaiting action in the Senate. Uh, the, the idea here is that uh, this bill, among other things that it potentially could do, uh, could uh, impact black and minority fraternities and sororities on Florida uh, colleges. Uh, the, the idea being that uh, this bill could force these, uh, these organizations uh, to cease their on-campus activities and be relegated to just activities, uh, you know, in the the communities uh, where these colleges are located. Now, this bill has not only captured the attention of uh, some of the the media outlets, uh, but it has also uh, created uh, something of a a minor storm. Uh, among the Twitter community. Uh, D.L. Hughley, the uh, comedian and activist, uh, tweeted out uh, regarding this bill, uh, Bill HB 999 will be proposed by Governor DeSantis. If this bill passes on May 5th, the following will be removed from Florida's college campuses. NPHC organizations, which is uh, the National Pan-Hellenic Council organizations, uh, and this is the umbrella uh, group that uh, the, the various black uh, sororities and fraternities belong to, you know, to, to name a couple, Alpha, Alpha Phi Alpha, uh, Omega Psi Phi, Delta Sigma Theta, etc. And the uh, NMGC, which is the National Multicultural G Greek uh, Committee, uh, Council rather, um, and those, these, uh, this organization is the umbrella organization under which uh, some Latinx uh, fraternities such as Lambda, Lambda Theta Alpha, uh, Alpha Psi Lambda, Sigma Lambda Beta, Theta Nu Chi, etc., uh, could be impacted and affected. Uh, additionally, again, this is according to the tweet from D.L. Hughley, Jewish study courses, uh, majors and minors, feminist theory courses, majors and minors, gender studies courses, majors and minors, uh, the centers and programs for black students, centers and programs for Latinx students, centers and programs for Asian and AAPI students, and centers and programs for LGBTQ plus students. Tenured facility will be eligible for review. Their, te their tenure will be reconsidered by the Board of Trustees, who will be chosen and appointed by the governor. And uh, DL goes on to suggest uh, what can be done. Number one, spread the word. Number two, if you're Greek, tell your brothers and sisters. Number three, contact your Florida House representatives. And number four, encourage students to plan. So, you know, as with many of the 
bills we have seen in in recent years uh, from the DeSantis administration in Florida. Uh, it is a bill targeting one particular element, but which, again, subject to how it is interpreted, uh, could impact uh, more broadly uh, many additional elements. So the idea here is that um, that although you know HB 999 does not explicitly ban such institutions, but some observers fear the language of the new law could be used to that end. For example, the, the law bans state, quote, expenditure for membership in or the purchase of goods or services from any organization that discriminates based on the, on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or religion. And, you know, so the, the idea here is that if this bill is extended to impact uh, fraternities and sororities uh, of selected groups, uh, this is something that should be of great concern uh, to the broader community. Um, you know, it, it is clear that the intent here is to impact uh, organizations primarily uh, designed and and in service of uh, people of color in the state of Florida, uh, but there is no mention in either the bill uh, or the articles that have been written about it if this bill would be equally applied to white fraternities and sororities uh, on Florida college campuses. Um, after all, it could also be interpreted that these organizations uh, could be considered discriminatory if their outreach uh, or their recruiting uh, is not uh, exclusive or is exclusive and does not uh, reach out to uh, the broader uh, college community uh, in, in and of itself. So, you know, here again, we, we see where um, the, the application of a law or the interpretation of a law uh, could have the potential of uh, affecting communities outside of, you know, the, the ones initially targeted. And by that I mean uh, it is, you know, not necessarily a far stretch to see uh, words of this law written so as not just to impact organizations of color, but to impact organizations across the broader spectrum of groups on these college campuses. Truthfully, it, I, I don't think that it would be worded that way. However, should they uh, write this legislation so that it is clear that it, it targets one segment of the college population and excludes another segment of the college population, uh, this would likely be grounds for an immediate lawsuit and uh, debate on you know, the merits of this bill uh, through the court system, probably all the way up to the Supreme Court. Uh, and, and as I was saying, I think before the break, um, it, it just is another example uh, that we find where legislators are 
as as Colonel Stevens said in, in her clip, uh, exercising their own personal peeves uh, without giving broader consideration to the impacts uh, for other groups that may be affected by this, although not in the original intended collection of groups. So it remains to be seen uh, what will become of this bill. Uh, it's passed the House and it is likely in front of the Senate as uh, this broadcast comes out. Um, but it is something else that we should be concerned about. Uh, you know, if the idea of the DeSantis administration, uh, the underlying goal of these laws, whether it's the anti-CRT laws or the anti-DEI or, you know, any of these, these, uh, these subjects that we have been discussing both here on this show and in the broader uh, general media uh, for the past uh, at least a year now, um, is this something that could turn around and impact uh, unintended audiences? And if so, then those people uh, really, if they are voting in favor of this or if they are encouraging their state legislatures to vote in favor of this, are in fact working against their own best interest. So as, as it said in, in DL's post, you know, uh, educate yourselves, uh, contact your, your state representatives, find out uh, what this bill is about and in deeper detail and what the intention is as to how it will be applied. Because uh, that's the critical factor that I didn't see in the articles talking about it. Um, you know, even though that there's reporting that says, you know, from the author of the bill uh, that it is not uh, impact black sororities or fraternities or their abilities to hold social justice events, among other activities. Um, and he does go on to say that other groups could be impacted. So if, for example, a white fraternity or sorority uh, takes a stand that, you know, maybe is in line with what we have heard coming from, you know, entities such as the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers. Uh, the question becomes, will the uh, administration take an equal action against that as it would for, you know, these organizations of color? So it remains to be seen how this this bill uh, will will go. Uh, again, we await uh, a decision on it from the Senate and then see whether uh, Governor DeSantis signs it into law. So we will keep you posted and, you know, whatever we learn, uh, we will, of course, bring to you on our podcast here. But bear in mind that does not absolve you of the responsibility for keeping yourself up to date on what's going on in the political world here in the U.S. Um, you know, as I've, I've frequently ad advised on this show, uh, if you're currently just getting your news from, you know, a single source, whether it be, you know, a mainstream media source uh, on, on the left or on the right uh, or social media, uh, broaden your research. You know, look into what's being said on the opposite side of the line from, from your political 
um, ideology uh, so that you can learn you know, what, uh, not only what the other side is talking about, but perhaps help get some clarification on what the truth is, because as I often say, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. So the, um, the last piece that we're going to talk about on today's show um, actually comes from a gentleman by the name of Tom Hartman. Uh, and uh, if, if you are you know, at, at all out in the news realm, uh, that may be a name that you've heard. Uh, Tom Hartman is a progressive uh, columnist and uh, show host. Uh, he has uh, his his own uh, his website is tomhartman.com and that's t h o m h a r t m a n n dot com. Um, and he's he's one of the one of the, the, the groups of uh, stations and sources that I listen to as I prep for this show, uh, Tom Hartman comes from a, a very uh, solidly progressive uh, angle on you know, his coverage of the news. He is uh, you know, fair and even-handed in terms of his treatment of Democrats versus Republicans, uh, depending upon you know, what it is that the subject of the day is. So uh, on the 17th, he posted an article to his website, and I will include a link for this article uh, on my Facebook page uh, because uh, I, I think it gives a real good uh, primer on uh, the, the thinking points you need to have when uh, addressing you know, where the Republicans are coming from. Now, he lists uh, a bunch of things that the Republican Party does and its impact. Uh, actually, there's more than 30 of them in the article. I'm not going to go through all 30, but I'm going to pick you know, uh, some and we'll, we'll dive into a few of them. So the article leads off uh, with, the GOP claims to be the party of life. In fact, they're the party of death. And again, these are the words and opinion of Tom Hartman. Uh, they, they do not necessarily reflect the uh, opinions of WJMS media, and I pose them here only as a point of discussion. Uh, they are not necessarily my thoughts and opinions as well. So, disclaimers aside, uh, let's get into it. Uh, the article starts off, uh, because they oppose a woman having the right to terminate a pregnancy, Republicans claim to be the party of life. In fact, they are the party of death. Um, seriously, unless you're white, straight, male, Christian, and morbidly rich, Republicans appear to want you and your children dead. In every instance, uh, they will put a corporation or a witch, rich white man's making a buck over the life of anybody else. And then he goes into giving some examples of what he means. Uh, so he says, uh, toxic waste kills people, but Republicans have worked for decades to cripple the EPA and other agencies' ability to regulate it. Uh, he talks about uh, former President Trump rolled back over 100 environmental regulations that protected families and children. Uh, being homeless kills people, but Republicans fight any sort of housing support, rent control, or laws that might inhibit foreign or Wall Street investors from buying up housing stock and jacking up housing costs. Uh, 
you know, another one, guns kill more children in America than any other single cause, and Republicans want more of them, including weapons designed exclusively for use on the battlefield. Pregnancy kills women far more often than abortion. There are 20.1 deaths per 100,000 pregnancies versus 0.4 deaths per 100,000 abortions. But Republicans are passing laws to force women and girls to endure childbirth whether they want to or not. Cancer kills people, but Republicans defend carcinogenic pesticides and other chemicals in our food supply. Civil wars kill people, but Republicans are openly advocating one today. Uh, children forced to work in meat packing plants and other dangerous places kill. But Arkansas Republican Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders just proudly signed legislation loosening that state's child labor laws and other Republican governors are considering the same. Here's another one. Stress from working full-time but not being able to support your family kills people, but Republicans vigorously fight any effort to raise the minimum wage above $7.25 an hour. Uh, cutting it medications in half to save money kills people, but Republicans oppose any effort to reduce obscene drug prices. Uh, one ripped out of the recent headlines, deregulated trains kill people but Republicans will only support more deregulation of the industry uh, on top of all of the rules Trump rolled back in 2018. Ignorance kills people, but Republicans want to ban books, fire teachers, and defund public schools. Climate change kills people every single day, but Republicans continue to insist it's not a problem or doesn't even exist. Losing power during harsh weather kills people, but Republicans block every effort to shift America from big, centralized, for-profit power systems to local, community-based green power. Racism kills people, but Republicans have elevated it to the centerpiece of their so-called, quote, anti-woke agenda, close quote. Poverty kills children, but Republicans have blocked the Biden administration's effort to maintain the child tax credit. Again, this is another uh, policy that was wildly popular among the general public that Republicans um, have uh, allowed to die and have refused to reenact, uh, even though Democrats are pushing for uh, a, a reenactment of the child's tax credit. Uh, mass and school shooters kill people, but Republicans fight for killers' right to continue to buy semi-automatic weapons, high-capacity magazines, and, quote, cop killer, close quote, bullets. Speaking of cops, they can kill, too, far often, uh, and it's not going, to, and it's got to be really tough on the good cops, excuse me, but Republicans fight any effort to professionalize our police in America. And if anything, they work to the contrary. Untreated mental health issues can kill people, but 205 Republicans just voted against a bill to expand school mental health services. So these are just a few. As I said, there's uh, about 30 or 33 of, of them in the article. Uh, I in included a link on the Facebook page for the show. I encourage you to uh, click on it and read the article, as well as go to his website and check out some of uh, Tom Hartman's other works. Uh, again, in 
in the, the practice of looking to truth check and, and uh, fact check many of the articles I see from both sides uh, of the media spectrum. Uh, Tom Hartman uh, oftentimes provides some additional clarity and pragmatism that I find most helpful in helping me assess where the, the reality lies. Uh, it, it is part of the practice I encourage of you know, digging wider, digging deeper, and looking all around the circle of uh, media sources that are out there uh, to, to listen to and absorb and process uh, because the truth lies uh, oftentimes in the middle between all of these sources. So, you know, uh, and again, you know, Tom Hartman is, you know, progressive. Uh, his views come from that uh, direction. And, you know, I, I don't fully agree with everything he says, but I frequently find a kernel of truth in there that is useful uh, both uh, for knowledge, but also as a guiding point in further research that I do as I bring these, these stories to you each week. Um, and it, it's clear that, you know, the, the political battles and political divisions in this country uh, continue uh, to, uh, to grow. Uh, we are not, in, in my opinion, um, we are, are closing the divide between us in some areas and in other areas it is getting wider. Um, I, don't, I don't think there, there will be, I, I hope and fear uh, that, that you know, we, we, we don't have uh, a, a civil war or, you know, God forbid, a race war in this country. However, I do see, you know, some, some indicators that might point in that direction, uh, a couple of which I brought out in this show here. Uh, what that means for the rest of us is that we have to increase our vigilance, uh, increase our uh, awareness and our communication, but also increase our open-mindedness and our, our open heart to people who perhaps disagree with us you know, on, on some issue uh, or some political ideology and recognize that everybody uh, does have the freedom to their own opinion in this country. And just because you disagree with their opinion uh, doesn't mean that you have a, a cause to go out and start some type of violence. I think that's the, one of the problems we have too much of in this country is that the, the solution of first choice is frequently a violent one. Uh, you know, we, we talk about and we read about and we hear about um, you know, mass shootings happening in this country on a, a daily basis, uh, you know, and you know, hundreds and thousands of people are, are dying, you know, uh, you know, monthly, if not, you know, yearly uh, due to, you know, mass violence. And if, if we don't find a way to, to arrest this, uh, to to turn this around, 
uh, you know, our country is going to degrade into a chaotic society that's not going to be able to get, you know, anything of consequence accomplished. So what does that mean for you and for me? It means we have to have, you know, open-minded, constructive conversations with uh, people, even people that we disagree with. Uh, just because I may disagree with you does not mean that, you know, I am, you know, and, and I shouldn't be um, not receptive to hearing out your ideas and your side of the story. As I said, there, there may be something that you know that I don't know that will serve to, you know, influence and impact my assessment of a situation. And by the same token, we need to make sure that, you know, our elected officials are are encouraged by us to have those across the aisle conversations uh, and seek consensus, seek compromise, seek solutions to the problems we have uh, that benefit all of us, not just one group over another. I think if we can get there or get back to there. Uh, America will be a much better place uh, to live, to raise our children and have a, a, a brighter future than we already have uh, just because in addition to all of the strength and poster- prosperity that we have, uh, the element of human compassion and concern will just make all of that that much better. So, you know, our, our homework assignment is you know, to keep an open mind, to try and keep an open heart and be receptive to ideas, even if on the surface they may seem disagreeable to you. Uh, Listen to them constructively and, you know, try and find that common ground. We'll all be better off for it. That's going to do it for this show. I appreciate every one of you who listen each week. Uh, please, if you have comments or concerns, send an email to the show at firedupradio at yahoo.com. Uh, check out the Facebook page where you can find uh, links to the stories and, and links to information that I present in the stories. Uh, and you know, look for more outreach from the show in the coming months. Um, I'm looking at additional social media platforms to get engaged with. Uh, If you have suggestions on, you know, a a platform and and how it would be uh, good for the show to be there, send that to me in an email and I will give it my full attention. Everybody, please stay safe. Please protect yourselves. Remember, there is a pandemic still out there. uh, And, you know, take take full care of yourselves your families, and your loved ones. And I look forward to bringing you another episode of Fired Up right here on WJMS Media in seven days. This is Steve. Thank you all for being here. I greatly appreciate it. (laughs) 